Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. And that's what it's really talking about is identity. There's nothing harder than to be who we are. And two things about identity is that our true identity can only come from God. No one else can give it to us. Others can confirm it. So when Christ says, who do people say that I am? What he's trying to say is, who is seeing me for who I really am that comes from the Father? And Jesus himself, his entire life, was a battle against the false identities that other people wanted to put upon him, according to a worldly understanding of the Messiah. A great line from Peter that we'll come to at the end, Quo vadis? Quo vadis domine? Where are you going, Lord? Same question is put to every single one of us when we come into this world. Where are you going? And we said one time how nomen est omen. Name is destiny. What your name is, what's been given to you from your birth, is also a sign of the destiny of what you're meant to carry out in life. But it's a destiny, and a destiny implies a journey. That's why they say the greatest journey in life is becoming who you are. It's not just some, it's something that's given to us, but we have to become what we are. And a lot of that becoming comes from the contradiction from other people's voices that we're constantly discerning. Is this the voice of my Father? Is this the voice of the Holy Spirit? Or is this the voice of the enemy trying to dissuade me from who I'm supposed to be? And that's, the more we focus on becoming who we are, that's where all the grace flows. That's why St. Catherine of Siena said, if you become who you are, you will set the world on fire. There's no greater gift we can give to the world than assimilating the identity that God himself gave us in this life. And that is a journey, and it's often a journey from our lower nature. We're all born with original sin, and original sin affects us each in a different way, just as our identity and gifts from God is different. So that means we're all going to have a concupiscence, a fallen nature that is directly opposed to what God wants us to become. So you look at Peter himself. There was no one who was more impetuous, impetuous than Peter. And Petrus means rock. And that's what Christ calls Peter. He's supposed to be the solid foundation. And yet he was the one that was always the first to speak, the first to try to dissuade Christ from doing what he's supposed to do, but also the first to give his love and devotion to fall and get back up. He was constantly flowing in emotion. Right? But he had to become the rock. And that was a grace that came from Christ in time. You also have John. John always, they see him as the beloved, the gentle disciple, always talking about love and, and charity and respect to others. He was a son of thunder, right? He had power and he was calling down fire upon the Samaritans when they tried to reject Jesus. And so he was a, far, he was a zealot also. So that natural, beloved, gentle nature did not come natural to him. It was supernatural, and it was something he had to learn throughout his life in the presence of Christ. Also, Thomas, the greatest act of faith, my Lord and my God. There's no objective higher act of faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God than what comes through Thomas's mouth. And yet, he is the same one that said, unless I put my fingers in, the hand, in his wounds, I will not believe. So he had his own process to become the disciple of faith. And Paul, the highest of the Jews had to be knocked off his horse and blinded 
and to become his name. Paulus meaning small, humbled. And it was through his humility that he learned to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He had to become his name, his destiny. And that's the thing. There's no middle ground in the presence of Jesus Christ. People do not become holy just by being in the presence of the Lord. We either become holy or we become hardened. And that's why Judas is a great warning for every single disciple of Christ. Judas came to Jesus with the same good intention as every other one. He came because he believed this was the Messiah. This is the one. And he had a great love for Israel. But more and more you see his heart, his heart hardening against Christ because he wasn't who he thought he should be. And so Judas's identity on who he thought he should be projected on Christ on who he should be. When that didn't line up, it hardened his heart to the point that he became a devil. So what Judas represents is unrepentance in the light of divine revelation. And we all know there's nothing easier to harden our hearts against God than the way that he reveals himself to us at times. There's no middle ground in love. When you're truly in love, you're either growing closer and hotter for that other person, or you're becoming colder and more distant from them. As the luminaires say, the opposite of love is indifference, right? And so indifference is not even a relationship. But when you're truly in love, it's hot and it's cold, and sometimes both frantically at the same time, but only women know how to do that, and so I can't speak to that per se. So all of life is that becoming who we are, knowing our identity that we should only come from Christ. And the church itself is called to be a rock like Peter that is immovable. It does not change. And it's called to have the same fervor and fire of passion like St. Paul to preach that unchanging gospel, to always stay true to what was given to us. So I think this is really most evident right now is we're in June at the end of this Pride Month. The church in no way can ever support acting out and being prideful of sin. And to act out on same-sex attraction is sinful because it doesn't take us into who we're supposed to be. It hardens our hearts against the love of God. It doesn't bring us closer to Him. And that's the problem. The world will always try to offer you an identity that is contrary to what God himself is calling you to. And the church, now more than ever, needs to be that unambiguous proclamation of the rock of truth that, no, you are a beloved child of God. That's what defines you. And Jesus Christ's love and redeeming blood for you, that's what defines you. And the fact that you're called to consume the body and blood of Jesus Christ in Catholic, in the Mass, that's what defines you. Everything else is passing. It's an ephemeral pr projection of what the world tells you should be. So that's why the church needs to be very clear on what our identity is as human beings, or else ideologies will always build on top of that. And the reason the church has to talk about LGBTQ, whatever issues so often now, is because that's what's being attacked right now. It's being attacked with this is your identity. This is what makes you who you are. Sin can never save us. Sin can never bring us to the destiny of what we're supposed to be. But it needs to be a strong proclamation like St. Paul because to get that first revelation from Christ, it is not comfortable often. 
With each of those examples of the apostles, it was difficult. And that's why it can harden our hearts against God or can soften us into surrender. So if you, when you go out of this church in midday and you're in the darkness and you walk out in the sun, especially the heat, you just want to cover your eyes. You can't see anything. It's very painful. But that's how God's revelation oftentimes is in on us in our sinful tendencies. We need to continue to shine the light of God's true faith and religion on people for this very end so that they can become who they are. And that might happen for some people at the very last moment of their life. And that's okay. As long as we're there to tell them the truth and to love them into it by always sharing it with them. And with the story of St. Peter himself, the Quo Vadis, the church built outside of Rome, now it's still in, inside of Rome because it's built so, it's expanded so much. But at one point when all the Christians were being put to death in Rome by Nero, Peter was told, you need to escape. You need to get out of here. You're our leader, right? We need to preserve you. So he starts being led out in a carriage, kind of being hidden from everybody by the Christians. And in the distance, he sees a man walking back to Rome, carrying a cross, and he gets out of the carriage and he walks over, gets closer, and he sees that it's Jesus. And he says, Quo vadis Domine? Where are you going, Lord? And Jesus said, I'm going back to Rome to die for my people. And he keeps going. And that's when Peter realized, that's who I need to be. That's the rock that God's church is going to be built upon. My own self-sacrifice in Rome for love of my people. And that's a lesson that he had to continue to learn until his very dying day. So in honor of Peter and Paul, let us never give up on the journey to become who we are in God's own identity that he has given us. It's a lifelong battle, but it's the most beautiful adventure that we could ever have. And it's something that will continue every single day till our death, if we remain open to God's truth shining upon us.